Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Mr. Lee Cohen, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing wonderfully well. And yourself? I can't say anything too bad. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here on the station with you. Maybe we'll have some lively conversation, or at least we'll get through the hour. Oh, are you kidding? I've got a topic for you to sink your teeth into. You're going to have a great time with it. But we'll get to that in a few minutes because uh, prior to talking about that, there's some other things going on that I thought I'd give you the chance to address, one of which is the topic we talked about on last week's show, which was the activity going on in terms of regulations being written in Congress? Any progress or movement on that issue? Well, so right now the bill that we're concerned about, it's not the bill we're concerned about. It's called the Competes Act. It's the amendment that was added in uh, when it went over to the House of Representatives and then passed. Um, The amendment that's added pertains to the Lacey Act. And uh, right now it's waiting to be figured out in the Senate as to whether they're going to work on reconciling the two. We don't know if this is something they're going to bring up in two weeks or two months, but uh, we stand by and we're meeting on a regular basis. That is PJAC and I uh, and and the rest of the group um, at discussing steps forward. So right now, if you go to our Facebook and look at the latest post, it gives a very specific um, call to action and I think for what's most important for people listening in is just an explanation that one um, isn't hyped up, but just focuses on the concern, the concern for our industry, the concern for our store, the concern for people who have exotic pets within their home. Um, it's just an awkward situation that I don't think is being looked at from politicians um, as to the consequence of what they have happening. Well, um, for once the, it, I think if I think if the politicians see the consequence, uh, I'm hoping they'll they'll make the change. Right. Well, for any of you who missed last week's show, the thumbnail sketch of the whole thing is that instead of creating a list of the animals that you're not allowed to have, instead they're wanting to create a list of the animals that you are allowed to have. And Rick and many others in his industry are concerned that these people don't always remember everything that they need to remember on the list. And therefore, we would rather have an exclusion list than an inclusion list. Well, and then the other other problem in making a white list, uh, they may very well, as it would make sense, um, since it's run federally, they may very well exclude something that uh, from the list that would be a problem in Guam or Puerto Rico or, or Florida. But not and, Michigan. And not an issue at all here in Michigan. So it's, some of it's state rights. You know, we have the opportunity to do things as long as we're doing things without any problems. Right. Um, and some of it is a uh, concern because they want to inject the idea that you wouldn't be able to take any of those that aren't on the list over state boundaries. So right. if you own an animal right now that doesn't show up on the list, 
you can't move out of state with it. You're going to have to hold on to it for some period of time. So uh, what we're looking to do is at least, you know, if, if there is an issue that needs to be addressed uh, first, let's let's look at it from all sides. Right. And then once we look at it from all sides, let's come up with something that can work for everybody. Well, it's an interesting topic. And again, uh, I'll go back to uh, last week's show and listen to it again. And I'm sure other people will as well. It is listed as a podcast on our website. Now, Rick, in addition to that, you did get some good news this week that I saw that you posted. And that is that Bruce Pats is going to be playing a role at the Impression 5 uh, at the end of March. And I thought, what a great honor to be involved with that, because that's one of the real first-class museums that this area has got. And that's a, that's a great involvement. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, I'm pretty uh, excited about the uh, partnership that we're working with um, Impressions 5. Uh, we, we met with them and uh, they're their, their creatives met with our creatives, uh, their management met with our management, and um, we're having our 40th anniversary coming up here this year. Uh, they're having, I believe it's their 50th, mm-hmm. um, and as a result, um, uh, we want to kind of pair together and kind of, uh, you know, kind of share the joy, spread things out, um, and try to have fun. Um, as a, I, I think there's a lot to be said about each of our goals and aspirations, and they merge in many ways. And so we're going to try to find that, that cooperative opportunity. In this case, uh, what we will be doing is having during the spring break for kids, the last week of March, uh, we're going to be having uh, animals out there uh, on exhibit, on display, on, on an opportunity to engage, an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to understand. And that'll just bring another dimension to the Impression 5 Museum. Well, let's just make sure that when the kids who like playing with the very sciencey electric type stuff and uh, the animals, we don't mix those two. But bottom line is, Rick, congratulations on that. Now, today's show, we've got a returning guest coming in, Dr. Ben Calmery, who is one of the leading practitioners in the country. And he will have some unbelievable news about changes in dentistry for animals. And that's what we're going to talk about this week on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Hey, who else will help you get your pooch unfrozen from the fire hydrant? Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show from 1320 WILS. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us on the line a returning guest. He is one of the pioneers of the dentistry industry when it comes to vet care and animals. It's Dr. Ben Colmery, who is with the Dixborough Veterinary Dental Center in Ann Arbor. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Colmery. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, It's always great to talk to somebody who, to say he's invested some time into a category, I think in your case, might be an understatement. Because if I remember correctly, you were doing this back when they didn't know what vet dentistry was. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, I uh, started uh, my uh, passion uh, long before I even went to vet school, uh, but uh, when I got out of vet school, I realized that, and I graduated in the 60s, so that will age me, and uh, realized that we had not been taught anything in school, and 
and I've devoted my life really to uh, trying to figure out some of these problems and what we can do and what we can do to help out these little critters and make their life a lot more pleasant. Well, first, thank you very much for your dedication. Much good happens when somebody dedicates themselves to not just anything, but something that they see as kind of, you know, life changing. In this case, life changing for a pet. Um, tell me, tell me your thoughts on how important dentistry is to the person that's sitting there with their dog or their cat, their cat on their lap, or their dog to their side, or the rabbits. <laughs> Well, yeah, any any of these animals, uh, the biggest singular problem, and I talk about with pet owners when they come in, is animals suffer in silence. They don't give you a clue. Uh, it's only when they have just reached that threshold, that critical threshold, that they might show oral discomfort. Uh, it is endless. Every single day I will take uh, oral radiographs, uh, x-rays on animals, and I'll look at abscessed teeth and things sitting in pus and just nastiness, and you think, holy smokes, if that was me, I'd be in the fetal position on the floor. And, uh, and these animals come in, and they're wagging their tails and giving you kisses, and, uh, and then you think, holy smokes, they are much tougher than we are. So, so that, to answer the question, uh, uh, really and truly, uh, uh, you need to flip the lips, and you need to look at these animals, and yes, uh, it is important uh, to get uh, these critters off in happiness land and get dental x-rays and just make sure there aren't any of these hidden surprises. Uh, I had a dog in yesterday with two abscessed teeth. Uh, there was a rescue dog from Detroit and, uh, and a big draining hole on the side of his face. And, uh, and this dog comes in and they said, happy, happy, giving me kisses. Uh, they said, yeah, what's the problem here? And, uh, and I, you're not supposed to have holes in your face. That's never good. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, the biggest singular hassle. So what the pet owner can really do is uh, uh, to get these animals looked at and uh, and uh, let's not be afraid of anesthesia because uh, the, the anesthetic agents are so incredibly safe at this day and age uh, that that really is not the issue. The issue is to look for things and to discover, holy smokes, there's a problem going in this animal's mouth and we had no clue, and then you can fix it. So tell me... Uh, there's an endless number of pet uh, keepers and a reasonable number of them listening here today. Um, I'm thinking, well, right now I'll just talk about dogs and cats, but we can extend it to other animals. But specifically, if somebody's acquiring one, um, can you give them kind of, as it it relates specifically to dental care, what kind of um, frequency of attention, what kind of like, do they, do they simply want to make sure it's checked every time they go to their family vet? Um, or, or, is there, or do you need to schedule something for a specialist like yourself? Or is that something that's going to be a referral from another veterinarian? And, what, and does it change as the pet gets older, you know, the, the, the requirement or the frequency that you should be looking into this? Yeah, those are great questions. And, and I think that uh, uh, initially, certainly an oral exam, and as long as the animal is, you know, halfway happy camper and friendly and you let you flip the lips and take a look, uh, uh, then away you go. And the obvious sorts of things, <clears throat> a fractured tooth uh, that has the nerves exposed, that's never good. And, uh, and mobile teeth, things, ooh, there you see they're not supposed to wiggle. I mean, you have obvious things like that that certainly can be picked up on an oral exam. 
And if the animal is a little hesitant, uh, oh, I'm not so sure I want you to flip my lips, uh, it can be of a couple reasons. Sometimes uh, uh, there are sore teeth in there, and they take a very dim view of you trying to look in there. And sometimes I'll see these animals that will pretty nice critters. I mean, they're pretty happy campers, and yet you try to flip the lips, and they won't have anything to do with it to get them into happiness land. And, okay, now I understand. You had an abscessed fourth premolar. I wouldn't want you looking at me either. Yeah. Uh, so there's that aspect. And then sometimes animals can just be a little defensive. That's just their nature. And sometimes a little judicious use of, uh, of gabapentin or trazodone or some of these other drugs that are used to you know, kind of take the edge off that sometimes can help too. But this is all something that, you know, a local veterinarian can look at uh, and and get things going. From the standpoint of procedures and actually doing something, uh, uh, there's the ideal world and the real world. And I've talked about this in the past where, uh, ideally speaking, I like to do the first oral procedure at a year and a half of age. Why? Is because they're the healthiest they're ever going to be. And if there is something there that is going to be a time bomb, you address it at that age. And especially, oh, shizus and uh, bulldogs and pugs and all those guys with the kind of the smushed-in faces, uh, uh, they have their subset of problems. And sometimes you can have a lot of crowding issues uh, that if you deal with them early on, you can save the important teeth. So, yeah, a year and a half of age is the first and then typically three to five years down the road, and then every year or two, just depending on the pooch, uh, that would require a little hit of anesthesia and x-rays and, you know, spiff them up and make sure things are happy campers on the inside. You know, that's the frequency. If the, if the, if the overall majority of uh, audience uh, or people that have dogs and cats were to follow your recommendation, are there enough specialists like yourself to, to meet that demand? Well, I think to answer your question, what's the, the good news is what's happened in the veterinary field. Uh, uh, there are a whole lot more of these uh, general practitioners that have uh, digital interoral x-rays, and this has been the real trend over the last couple, three years. And so I would think that a lot of People, if you know, the question you ask your regular vet, can you take dental x-rays and are they digital? And if the answer is yes and yes, rock and roll. Because you. then what could happen is if there is something of concern, I get x-rays sent to me all the time on the Internet. Uh, hey, Ben, what do you think about this tooth? And if it's something that's no biggie, you know, it's, it's fine, you know, I can say that. And if it's, ooh, this needs to be addressed then, okay, you know, maybe either the veterinarian can do it, uh, and sometimes they'll send them to me when the animals are asleep on the table. And, hey, Ben, I got this dog under anesthesia. Can you take a look at this film? And uh, and I'll say, ooh, yeah, that's a happy tooth, or ooh, that's not so happy. And if the veterinarian is real nervous about it and say, ooh, this scares me, it's a little tiny dog with a with a uh, diseased lower first molar, I think I'm going to send it to you. Okay, fine. And if it's something the animal, the veterinarian can address in their practice and has a skill set to do it, you know, that's cool too. So I don't know that specialists are necessarily needed in every single case, uh, but I think that the veterinarian who knows the limitations of their skill set and would say, oh, I'm going to drop back 10 and punt and send this to a specialist, that yeah, they should. And Yes, we're doing our darndest to train more and more people. My resident uh, just finished uh, 
and she's taking her board exam, so she'll be out there online in a, in a in another month or so. And there's another practice in Michigan that has two residents that are just about done. So our numbers are growing, slow but sure. So most and when you think to most people when they think to take their dog to the vet for a checkup, um, maybe they don't necessarily. Uh, is there a box to check off that you want to make sure that they focus on the um, mouth cavity, or is that just going to be you know standard operating procedure for all veterinarians? Well, I think you need to request it sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I think there is a a better uh, understanding of the mouth and the implications and this sort of stuff, and and the frustrations that come along with it. Uh, so I think more and more veterinarians, and actually that's what I've seen in my practice, are doing a better job looking at their oral cavity on an oral exam when they're in a, an awake animal with dogs and cats and uh, and recognizing, ooh, this doesn't look right. Uh, but, you know, certainly the pet owner can request, hey, doc, what do you think about the mouth? And sure. uh, and if the, if the veterinarian gives you the deer in the headlights look and, Okay, maybe I better find somebody else. And uh, and if they say sure, let's take a look, let's see what we see. Then that's a good thing. But I, I I'm going to digress for just a second and tell you some good news. And I can't remember if I mentioned this last year, but uh, the American Veterinary Medical Association has now discovered that animals have teeth. <laughs> they had no idea. And now oral surgery in dentistry is now a required component and part of the curriculum in veterinary schools. And in order for a veterinary school to remain accredited by the American Veterinary Medical Association, they must have an integrated oral surgery and dentistry program. Awesome. So what's going to happen is uh, next, uh, you know, as time goes on, the generating classes are going to have a much better understanding of the mouth. Because prior to November 2020, they had no clue. And dentistry was an elective in vet school. So for those listeners that are relatively new to the show or missed you last time, if I remember correctly, part of the conversation we had last time you were in was the hope that the veterinary community would pick up exactly what we're talking about right now. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And, and you and were kind of helping. You were helping guide that, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was. Some of my compatriots and I were involved in, in petitioning the AVMA to uh, recognize that animals actually have teeth and something <laughs> ought to be done. Well, speaking of animals with teeth, doctor, we've always focused a lot on dogs, but I would ask you the question, how about cats? Are are you seeing where uh, there's any issues going on there? And are cat owners doing the proper procedures as often as maybe the dog owners? Well, at least in my practice, uh, I would say that it's probably 50-50. Uh, I certainly see a, a tremendous number of cats, and uh, and I would say there's an equal awareness of problems. Cats have their subset of problems, and uh, and it's they can be a little bit uh, frustrating. And as uh, for the new listeners, uh, uh, my theory is that aliens came to Earth 2,000 years ago and built the pyramids in Egypt. And the cats jumped off the spaceships, and that's how we got cats. <laughs> and and why, why do you feel that? 
Well, because they don't necessarily follow the rules, and cats have their own agendas in their mouths, and they have all the parts of their inflammatory responses that any other animal has, but they're, they're a little bit different project. They have uh, resorptive lesions and, and some of these very severe inflammatory responses, and, uh, and they can be a little bit more of a project uh, uh, than dogs. Dogs get the same kinds of things, but I think there's overall in the feline population, there's probably a little higher degree of inflammation with the, you know, the, the same sorts of things. And, and kitties do suffer in silence. I mean, it's just amazing some of these mouths that I'll look at. So, yeah, I've put cats uh, up uh, right up there uh, that really need to be addressed. And when they go into the local vet, uh, you know, get their mouths looked at. But when we come back from the break, we've got a lot more questions about vet dentistry. And we'll talk about it right here on 1320 WILS. news and information on animal care. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruse and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with Dr. Ben Colmery, who is with the Dixboro Veterinary Dental Center in Ann Arbor. And Dr. Colmery, before the break, we were talking about uh, the importance of taking care of your animals. And you mentioned cats and dogs. Are there any other animals that people in particular should think about their teeth and caring for them uh, if they happen to have them as pets? Well, it, you know, certainly uh, any critter with teeth, uh, there's always a potential for problems. Uh, uh, not that aardvarks are a, a common pet uh, for people, but I just uh, reviewed an article that's going to be published uh, that where I actually worked on some aardvarks at the zoo uh, about the importance of oral care. Uh, in some of these animals in zoos and how it affects uh, their lives and, and their quality of life uh, is pretty amazing. And so to answer the question, sure, uh, whether it's a, a gerbil or a rabbit or a ferret or whatever, I mean, anything with teeth has that potential for problems. Now, certainly there's uh, some uh, things that are commonly done by experts in the field of what we call of exotics, uh, you know, there's pocket pets and this sort of stuff. And not every veterinary hospital is going to have the uh, the instrumentation uh, to deal with these sorts of things. And yeah, you've got to have a real familiar familiarity with uh, sedation and all these other things. But uh, if you do have a rabbit or some of these pocket pets, and you notice excess saliva. Or they just you know, look at them and watch them trying to eat, and hmm, something just doesn't look right. Uh, you know, call up the local vet and say, okay, who works on rabbits around in this area? And uh, it might be a little tough to find a person, uh, but uh, uh, see see what you can do. Because, yeah, it's any species with, with teeth can have problems. I've worked on everything from Jamaican fruit bats uh, uh, up to uh, lions and tigers and bears and just about everything in between, not in my practice at zoos. But uh, uh, so, yeah, there's uh, anything with teeth can have problems. So uh, I don't want to lose the opportunity. You had mentioned in the break that there's some kind of New Horizon um, 
was it research, I don't know, research equipment? Uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to, but I wanted to make sure you had time to bring it up. Yeah, and this is the thing that really uh, lights my fire. Uh, uh, this January of this year, a publication came out discussing uh, the microbiome of animals in their mouths, GI tract, their whole body. And it turns out that there are a whole lot of organisms, bacteria, uh, small bacteria, et cetera, that are in our bodies that were, no one was ever able to identify and to understand their relationship with our, a healthy body versus an ill body. And everything in the past had always been done with cultures. You know, you, you harvest the bacteria, put them on an agar plate, grow the bugs, and see what's there. So it was at that point in our evolution of medicine, it was guilt by association. Okay, sick animals have these, and well animals don't have those. But nobody knew the relationship of all the organisms in our bodies that you couldn't grow. Now with DNA sequencing and RNA and the technology that's out there, uh, researchers are beginning to understand, wait a minute, all of these things that we could not grow before, yeah, now we can figure out what they are. And with the understanding of the immune response and, and all the, the, uh, the biochemical markers and all the components, we're really beginning to understand that there's a whole brand new paradigm on understanding what's going on. And it turns out uh, that I think within the next five to 10 years, we're going to start finding out a lot of answers on diseases where in the past we had cause unknown, and now we're going to find it out. And for instance, one of the things that is really beginning to make a big change are the use of prebiotics and probiotics. And it turns out that the gut flora has a lot to do with the rest of the body as the mouth has to do with gut flora and everything else. They're all interrelated. And the organisms that are found on the tongue versus the organisms that are found on teeth and all these different areas, they're, they're not all the same, but they're kind of related. So the goal and what we're really looking at research-wise is, okay, so all those bacteria and, and uh, pre-bacteria and all those little guys that we didn't know what they were before, now we know what they are, and how do we establish the good guys and, uh, and get rid of the bad guys in our bodies? And it turns out, yeah, prebiotics and probiotics have a real role in helping these animals out, establishing a decent flora. And I can tell you from personal experience with my own pets and clients, wait a minute, there's some merit to this stuff. This, this really is starting to make a difference. So the excitement is that uh, in time, we're going to have silver bullets and we're going to have things that are going to radically change how we manage stuff. And just to give you an example, back in the day, uh, we were all taught that uh, gram-negative anaerobic modal rods are the cause of periodontal disease in dogs. Okay, that's because you could grow them on culture plates. Now we find out through this DNA testing and the gene sequencing, wait a minute, it's gram positives that are playing a much greater role in oral cavity disease and the inflammatory response in the mouth. Oops, that's <laughs> changed the answer to that test question. Sure. What, what causes? So 
these are the exciting things. If man, we're going to be able to sort some of these puzzles out and really make some better judgments on how we address things, and and antibiotic therapy, you know, it's kind of hitting a mosquito with a sledgehammer, and it's not as specific as we necessarily thought it was in the past. So I'm really becoming a real proponent, especially with problems in the mouth of using prebiotic, probiotic uh, supplements to see if what we can do to establish the good guys without, you know, trashing the whole floor of bacteria. That's the exciting stuff that's happening. It's just too freaking cool. Well, that does sound very exciting. Uh, the first thing that pops into my head, because we have been a culture of using or em- employing pre and probiotics, uh, will the pre or probiotics of tomorrow resemble the very ones that we've been using for the last decade or so? Uh, I think they'll be refined. You know, I think as we begin, to, as we better understand, uh, you know, what's lurking around in the shadows, uh, we'll, we'll be better able to define it. But I think also what you're going to see is a much greater use, uh, a more generic use across the board. Right, right. And, uh, you know, when I read articles in regards to pre and probiotics, there's there seems almost like there's two sides of the fence, those who believe and those who don't. So do you envision that uh, with the January article that's come out that more people will be jumping over the fence and at least supporting the idea of pre and probiotics? Yes. Yeah, I really do think that uh, what will happen is uh, uh, as as the technology evolves and as the documentation occurs, people will really begin to understand uh, how it works and what it does. And it's not going to cure cancer and it's not going to restore vision in the blind. I mean, come on, let's get real here. It's Uh it's not, it's not the panacea uh, that's going to solve everything, but I think there's merit to it. And I think what will happen is if you follow the uh, axiom, first do no harm, it's pretty hard to hurt them with it. And I, and I think it's going to help. And in the immune response, you know, also there is the component of choose your parents wisely because there are genetic inherited problems. Some animals and some people have 51 cards in the deck, not 52 in the immune system. And uh, it's not mean they're going to die, but yeah, they're going to have problems. But I think there's going to be a lot of people and a lot of animals that are really going to benefit from some of these supplements. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't know how much time I got left, but I'll just throw out a concept. Well, you for, have a minute. Uh, <laughs> All right, for for animals, uh, uh, if now that we better understand and are understanding what the roles of bacteria play and where they come from, remember that wolves, fox, coyotes, the bears, all these carnivores go out, grab their prey, they eat the viscera, the uh, the GI tract, they they you know whatever skeletal meat they can get off, and they're down the road. But in my mind that the flora of bacteria coming from the gut in their prey uh, is sort of their, I say the term probiotic, is sort of Mother Nature's probiotic, and that it turns out, and looking at the, the, you know, the textbooks that I've read uh, and the preliminary research, that the gut flora plays a big role in our overall body. And so it's, it dawned on me, holy smokes, you know, you know Fluffy gets the food, but there's no guts in there from the, their, 
you know, to whatever meets they're eating. And, yeah. uh, and I just wonder, you know, the role that that's going to play in the, and the probiotics may be that quote, you know, kind of supplement, if you will, to try to, to deal with some of the, uh, 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 flora that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Now, I don't recommend that people go to the pet store and buy mice and flip them on the floor for the cats to eat. And, uh, but uh, you know, look at the concept of how animals evolved and what they ate. And, you know, the animals with a good immune system survived and the animals with useless immune systems, uh, you know, are, are off the planet. But it's just, it's a paradigm shift and it's just fascinating. Fascinating. Well, Dr. Comrie gives us food for thought that we can cover the next time we have you on. But we want to thank you for coming on with us. We've been speaking with Dr. Ben Comrie from the Dixborough Veterinary Dental Center in Ann Arbor. And we'll be back right here on 1320 WILS. Meet the two men who are experts at talking to animals uh, or something like that. The Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we have with us on the line a returning guest. It's Kirby Pruce from Pruce Pets. Welcome back to the show, Kirby. Hi, thanks, Lee. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Kirby, we just got done talking with Dr. Colmery, and now I wanted to have you on because one of the responsibilities among many that you have with Pruce Pets is uh, taking care of certainly the dog and cat segment, and you guys have over the past several years been accumulating more products that you carry to help animals with dental care. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, where do I start? Because we have so many different departments. And as you were mentioning um, all the different animals, I thought, well, everything aside from aquatics, but even aquatics, you have puffer fish that need shells right. to file their teeth out. Well, when it comes to, let, let's talk about, uh, to begin with, when it comes to dogs and cats, because that's going to be probably more of the percentage of animals that people are doing dental care with. What types of products do you guys carry that people could come in and utilize just to help maintain and keep their animals in optimum health? Yeah, so we have a lot of products, actually, in our dog and cat section. Um, we have a lot for dog, uh, even more than cat, actually. And as far as dog dental health goes, my favorite recommendation, especially with new puppy customers, is just a traditional old dog toothbrush and some enzymatic toothpaste. Uh, we actually have toothpaste that is poultry flavor as well as we have a peanut butter flavor. <laughs> and it's so important when your puppy is small and learning and adapting to get them started on healthy oral habits. And, you know, I think about I have a baby at home right now. She's 11 weeks. And I have this tiny little banana toothbrush. And this idea, she doesn't even have teeth yet. But it's to get her um, to start to develop those healthy habits and to get her familiar with dental hygiene. Um, with puppies, it's no different. You want them to feel comfortable having a toothbrush in their mouth. 
You want them to get comfortable having a routine of using some type of toothpaste um, to get the plaque and tartar off of their teeth. So I like just going the traditional route. Um, now, do we have lots of other products as well? Yes. And one in particular is great for older dogs who maybe are very adverse to having a toothbrush in their mouth. Right. Uh, and that is a water additive as well as we have a gel. Um, and that way you can kind of get the benefits of oral care without maybe having to what you don't want to do is have to wrestle your dog to the ground to brush their teeth. That's a traumatic experience for all. Right. Um, so we have kind of a, a plethora of different products. Now, you mentioned the age of, of the dogs, but one of the questions I've got is the size of the dogs. Are there different products for different size dogs? Because I imagine uh, your puppy, Bruce, uh, even when he was a puppy, he was no small uh, animal. So is there a difference? Because it would, in my mind, seem different if I was doing a Chihuahua as opposed to a Dane. Yeah. So there's different sizes in regards to the toothbrush. Um, but I have to say, there are Danes that it's easier to brush the teeth on than Chihuahuas. I, I've seen some pretty vicious little Chihuahuas. And again, it goes back to they didn't get the exposure when they were little. Um, we actually have products that help with teaching them to have their teeth brushed. So whether you have a Dane or a Chihuahua, what you can do when they're little is you can actually take, um, it, it looks like it's got a suction cup and it looks like a, a bright orange bowl that they would eat out of. And what you do is you stick it to the side of the bathtub or just the side of your wall if it can stick. You put some of the peanut butter or the chicken-flavored toothpaste in there. They lick it. They associate the toothpaste, if you will, um, with something that tastes good. And then what you can do is take that toothpaste, put it on a brush, take the brush, whether it's a Chihuahua or a Dane, touch it to their teeth, it's all slow, positive reinforcement. So for products, yes, we have different sizes, but it all ultimately, I think, comes down to training is the same, no matter the size. Gotcha. And have you experienced with different people coming in where there have been any types of animals that just don't? like it or don't respond as well to it. And again, maybe it's uh, the lack of socialization early on when it comes to that getting used to having that done. But I would imagine that there are just some animals that don't like it, just like I imagine there are some animals that don't like a hard kibble, no matter what you serve them. So what is your experience with that? Experience personally, I haven't had many testimonials of dogs not utilizing the products. However, there's always going to be exceptions and there's always with any product um, going to be animals that aren't going to be able to use it, just like with human products, right? And with right. kids. Right. Um, I think what's really important there is have a really good partnership with your veterinarian because they can offer suggestions and alternatives and things that can help. I actually have a cat that has stomatitis. She has no teeth. They all had to be extracted. So we had to get creative with the vet before they were extracted. And again, I think it's just a good partnership with your vet. 
right? And speaking of cats, uh, are there any unique products that are geared toward cats or even talk about some of the other animals like rabbits or uh, ferrets or anything like that? Is there anything that you guys utilize to help maintain teeth and oral health with those animals? Well, a big thing that we haven't mentioned, you and I, is the importance of diet. And um, I don't know if you mentioned this in your segment, but probiotics and prebiotics are essential. And there's a lot of information that we're seeing come through literature in the pet trade um, on the importance of a microbiome. And so with all of our pets across the board, you'll see a lot of probiotics and prebiotics in the diets that are out there. Now, when we talk about the like, for example, um, guinea pigs or gerbils, those animals that have teeth that don't stop growing and that need to be able to file those down. Um, it's really important that we have a wide selection of treats and toys that they can constantly chew on to keep those filed down. Um, so, yeah, across the board, we've got both really great diets that help um, kind of create the foundation of dental health, and then we also have products um, to help specifically with the teeth. And then ultimately what I'm hearing you say is it also comes down to a routine of looking and checking and cleaning and also bringing in the expertise of a vet dentist to look at them and just kind of give you that final approval that everything is as it's supposed to be. Is that a fair analysis of how it is? Exactly. Yep. Well, Kerbay, it sounds like you guys have got things well under control. Uh, and if people need any help in finding it, uh, these products are available at Proust on a regular basis. Yes. Yep, we keep them really well stocked. Props to Emmy, who does all of our inventory. Okay, fantastic. Well, Kerbay, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing that because there's a lot of people who are hopefully starting to pay a lot more attention when it comes to oral health, and that's good for everybody. With that said, I'm afraid to say, Rick, we're just out of time for this week's show, but uh, boy, has it been interesting. But on behalf of our producer, Bruce, and my co-host in the studio, Rick Bruce, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, all of you, please, please, Take good care of your pets and flip their lips and check their teeth. And in the meantime, we'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Have a great week, everybody. In this sturdy old part of the city, when the sun refused to shine, people tell me there ain't no